From the 90s to the present, take a trip back in time with A Winner Was You as he looks back at the Sega games that defined his life. Memories of Sega. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to a very special one-off show for Radio Sega's Mega Drive Mini Marathon. I'm a winner with you, and this is the Memories of Sega Mega Drive Mini Special. So, yeah, I have been away for a while, but I'm back to kick some butts, though probably not at Old Canyon. It is nice to be back, though, uh, especially for this very special show. Now, for those of you who are unaware, um... The Memories of Sega was a feature I worked on at on um, Radio Sega, uh, starting with regular articles at the site itself before evolving into a regular segment on both the Sega Lounge and the Manic Monday show. Uh, in each episode, I looked back at the games from my past and shared my memories of them. However, for one night only, Memories of Sega has become a full-fledged show in celebration of the Mega Drive Mini. Uh, the idea is the same, I'll still be looking back at the games I had the fondest memories of, uh, but this time in a full show. Before I go any further, uh, I must say this is the first time I've hosted a show, and uh, even though this show is both pre-recorded and scripted, I'm kind of nervous about this actually, uh, but hopefully it'll, it'll all go well and uh, you'll enjoy what I have in store for you. Uh, so what's going to happen tonight is uh, I'm going to pick four games from the Mega Drive Mini lineup and give them the Memories of Sega treatment, and of course we'll be playing some music from them as well. What will these games be? Well, I'm going to keep you in the dark about that one for now. I'll also be talking a little bit about the games I'm most looking forward to playing on the Mega Drive Mini itself. Uh, though this is a pre-recorded show, I should be in the Discord chat while this says, unless something happens along the way. Uh, with that in mind, uh, please feel free to show your own, share your own memories of the games that will be featured on tonight's show, or any other games featured on the device. I'd love to hear them. So, with the introductions out of the way, uh, let's go into our first music break before we get started on the actual memories. And we'll start with a couple of tunes from the Mega Drive Mini games that won't be featured on the actual memories segments. Uh, so first up, we'll play a track from the sole EA title on the, the Mega Drive Mini, Road Rash 2. Now, say what you will about EA today, I know I've said a fair few things myself, there's no denying the impact they had on the Mega Drive back in the day. So it's a shame that Road Rash 2 is the only EA game on the Mini. It would have been great to have had Jungle Strike on there too, at least. Oh well, you can't say Road Rash 2 isn't deserving of a spot in the lineup. It was one of the Mega Drive's most popular games, after all. And like the first game, it also had a pretty rocking soundtrack, so let's play a track from it. Hope you're ready to rock and ride, because we're about to play the theme of Alaska. Uh, you're listening to Memories of Sega, the Mega Drive Mini Special on Radio Sega.
don't know about you, but that track really makes you want to drive an armoured vehicle into a crowd of alien robots, then jump out all guns blazing, doesn't it? That was the Hardcore from Contra Hardcore, a wonderfully frantic track, I'm sure you'll agree. Uh, great game too, I've been uh, playing it on the Contra Anniversary Collection on Switch. I'm a bit rubbish at it, but it's just so much fun. And it's just a great compilation in general, actually. I, I really recommend picking it up if you haven't already. Uh, before that, we had the theme of Alaska from Road Rash 2, which I hope you all enjoyed. So anyway, this is Memories of Sega, the Mega Drive Mini Special here on Radio Sega as part of a Mega Drive Mini Marathon. As I said at the start of the show, I'll be remembering my experiences with four other games that can be found on the Mega Drive Mini, and we'll be playing some music from them as well. So I think it's only fair we get started, right? Now, the first game I've chosen to focus on in this show is a port of a very popular arcade game from Capcom, which Sega actually ported over to the Mega Drive themselves. That game is Strider, first released on the Mega Drive in 1990. This particular port was praised at the time for being extraordinarily close to the arcade original, and there's certainly no denying it was a real technical showpiece of a console when it first came out. The Western version was also known for its not terribly good box art. There are a few things missing from the original arcade game, most notably the speech, but Sega nonetheless did a really impressive job of porting this over. The sprites were nice and big, all of the set pieces from the arcade version were nice and uh, were present, and there was very little slowdown, even when things got busy. However, it takes more than nice graphics to impress me personally, so what did I think of the actual gameplay? Well, as I like to say, stick around and you'll find out. I first saw this game in one of the adverts for the Mega Drive back in the day, the ones with Jimmy and his kid psychic who so desperately wanted to be a ninja. Any Sega fan in the UK who grew up in the early 90s should remember those. Strider was only briefly shown in that advert, but it was still enough for, uh, enough for it to make it look cool. Uh, as I read through various gaming magazines, I saw quite a few reviews for the game and they were all positive. Well, with all that praise, plus the fact it was exactly my kind of game, I just had to play it. That chance would come in 1995, in the midst of a 50th anniversary of the end of World War II, most notably VE Day. What did VE Day have to do with my memories of Strider? Well, I borrowed the game from a friend, and his street just so happened to be having a party in celebration of VE Day on the day he lent it to me. So I actually got to see the party in action while I was there. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't really stay for long, but that was always something I remember quite fondly. In any case, I got home and immediately plugged the game in and started playing. Would the game live up to its expectations, or would it disappoint? The game itself is a platformer with its rather athletic protagonist Hiryu fighting his way through five increasingly difficult levels. Hiryu is actually quite a capable chap, and can somersault, slide, climb walls and even cling on ceilings. In terms of defending himself, he has a plasma sword which fills up a decent amount of a screen when he uses it. There are various pickups available as well, ranging from your usual health items to items that extend the reach of your sword, and even robotic helpers that give you a little more firepower. Though there are only five stages, there's a lot of variety in them and you really know what to expect next. For example, the second stage begins with you fighting wolves amongst a snowy backdrop, before pitting you against a, a giant mechanical gorilla. Next, you're climbing up a shaft and traversing uh, rotating ferris wheel-like platforms before reaching a top. Then you find yourself fighting a flying robot mini-boss, which is then followed by a mad dash down an exploding mountain. After that is a trek through a power station where everything constantly goes dark and you find yourself having to avoid bolts of lightning. 
and that's followed by a scene where you're jumping onto a series of airborne platforms, dodging bombs and killing enemies until you reach a giant battleship. Finally, you make your way through, make your way around the battleship, ultimately doing battle with three oriental ladies before going into the main control room where the stage finally ends. Phew! Like I said, the game constantly keeps you on your toes. And yet, something about the game just didn't click with me. I didn't know what it was, but in the end I wasn't really feeling it. The game itself was fine, but it simply didn't excite me like I'd hoped it would. Eventually, after a fair bit of play, I did make it to the final level, but I was never able to actually beat the game, and honestly, I found it hard to keep to want, uh, found it hard to want to keep trying, especially when I had so many other games I was enjoying a lot more. Sure, the game was very impressive to look at, but the gameplay hook just wasn't there for me. Over time, I would play the game on other systems as well, uh, most notably the PlayStation 1 and 2, the latter being on the Capcom Classics Collection Volume 2 compilation pack. I did actually beat the game on both those systems, and I tried my hardest to love it, but in the end I just couldn't. Don't get me wrong, I don't think Strider is a bad game at all, it just left me a bit cold overall. Nonetheless, it is nice to see it on the Mega Drive Mini. I know the game has a lot of fans, and even now it really stands out as a very impressive conversion. It deserves its spot on the device, but for me personally, I'll probably play it once or twice, then most likely leave it alone afterwards. So, yeah, maybe not the best start to these memories, but I'm sure things will pick up up with the next game. After all, it's an entry into one of my favourite video game franchises of all time. How can that possibly fail? For now, though, uh, we're going into another music break, this time focusing solely on the music of Strider. Normally, I'd be doing two uh, tracks per music break, but the tracks in Strider are actually really short, so I've decided to increase that number to three for this one. Even with that, this break will be a short one, just under four minutes. So, let's start with this particular track. It's from the first part of Stage 2, and it's called Siberian Tunnel. So sit back, enjoy the music, and stay tuned to Memories of Sega, the Mega Drive Mini Special, here on Radio Sega.
You're listening to Memories of Sega, the Mega Drive Mini Special here on Radio Sega, and we just played for you Hiryu from Strider, a game which, as I said in the last talk bed, was a game I really wanted to love, but ended up not being particularly keen on. I still do think it deserves its spot on the Mega Drive Mini lineup, though. Uh, before that, we played you Ouroboros, I hope I pronounced that correctly, uh, the Iron Ruler, and we started that batch with Siberian Tunnel. And with that, we're going to move away from Strider now and focus on another game you'll be able to play on the Mega Drive Mini. This particular game is uh, part of one of my all-time favourite video game franchises and is also regarded by many as one of the best games in said series. It's also had a rather troubled development with Sega being less than happy with the reviews at the time and thus sent it back into the development in the hope of making it better. What game is it? Why none other than Shinobi 3? Released in 1993, uh, this game is a direct follow-up to Revenger Shinobi, which was a hugely popular game when it was released. Uh, featuring great graphics, superb gameplay and one of the finest soundtracks on the Mega Drive, courtesy of Yuzo Koshiro of course, the Revenger Shinobi was simply a masterpiece. It also just so happens to be my favourite game of all time. With that, matching the had experience was always going to be a daunting task, and as previously mentioned, the original builder Shinobi 3 was failing to live up to expectations. But did Sega's decision to try and fix the game pay off? Uh, my first experience with Shinobi 3 was in issue 4 of Me Machine Sega, with the original build being reviewed within. It got a good score of uh, 88%, however the overall mood was that the game was simply not as good as Revenge. I saw one other review of this version of the game, and it was very positive, but the review itself was barely half a page and there were no screenshots. Still, I thought the game looked cool and I wanted to check it out. A few months later, I bought another issue of Me Machine Sega and learned that Shinobi 3 had been delayed as Sega had been unhappy with its response. Uh, there were some screenshots from a new version, one of which saw Joe Musashi on a surfboard. Well, this game is just looking even better now. In the very next issue, the game would be reviewed again and would receive 89%. Other reviews are also pretty good, aside from Sega Power giving it only 69%. Other than that, the game was well received and I still wanted to play it. Sadly, the game was very hard to find anywhere. I'm pretty sure I only ever saw one copy of the game during the 90s, and of course I wasn't able to buy it. With that, it ended up being a game I'd have to miss out on. Move forward to near the end of 2001, when my Mega Drive collection was in the process of being rebuilt. Uh, I popped over to my local marketplace where there was a store that sold retro games. I bought several games from there before, including Alien Storm. On this particular day though, I found I was in for a treat, and all this time was a copy of Shinobi 3. Needless to say, I picked it up immediately, and I just couldn't wait to play it. Uh, Shinobi 3 sees the return of Joe Musashi as he once again does battle with Neo Zed. That's pretty much all the plot we get with this game, but since when did that matter? It's just an excuse for more badass ninja action. The overall gameplay is more or less identical to the Revenge of Shinobi, but much more has been thrown into the mix. Uh, for instance, Musashi now has more moves than ever before. In addition to all his techniques from Revenge, he can now jump between walls, cling onto ceilings, sprint, which can then be linked into a very useful leaping slash attack, guard against enemy attacks and even perform a satisfying drop click. Or rather drop kick, <laughs> that would go to the uh, But this really opens up the stage design in comparison to Revenge. In addition, there's also the surfboard section I mentioned earlier, as well as a horse riding level. 
There are a total of seven stages in the game, and they all take place in um, places like a forest, an oil rig, a laboratory, and even an airship. Each stage is split into three sections, two regular ones and a boss stage. New to the series is the inclusion of mini-bosses, which you encounter at the end of the first section of each stage. Uh, to me personally, the bosses were a bit hit and miss. There were some very memorable ones, especially the huge bio-monster you fight at the end of stage 3, but I also felt some of them were a little generic and dull to look at. The final boss wasn't very memorable in terms of design, just some kind of robot ninja thing that always looked kind of bland to me. The background was far more impressive. Having said that, the fight itself was good. The boss has plenty of flashy attacks that are quite hard to avoid, especially once you get to its second phase. It's not undoable though, and once you realise you can guard most of his attacks, things do get more manageable. However, getting this far is quite a challenge in itself, and one that had me getting quite frustrated. This was mainly down to the double jump, a returning move from revenge, and one that is essential to getting through the game. Uh, the thing is, I found it quite hard to pull off at times. The timing needed for the second jump is quite precise, and if you get it wrong when you need it, the when you get it wrong when you need it the most, you're going to die in the later levels. I honestly wouldn't call it unresponsive, it's just something you really need to practice at. But I hadn't, and as a result, the last two levels were immensely annoying. The first part of stage 6 is a vertically scrolling affair where you have to jump from platform to platform, and one wrong move will see you fall and die. Some of the platforms are tiny, so you have to be precise, and you also have to deal with enemies in the process, get hit, and you get knocked back, which will most likely see you falling to your death. This, along with me being unable to always get the double jump out, resulted in a lot of rage. Then I got to the final stage. This stage sees you having to make some very precise jumps, as well as grab ceilings in the middle of long jumps. And sometimes you have to jump really quick too. Basically, if you haven't got the timing for the double jump down pat, you're going to struggle here. And that's exactly what I did. My first experience through this game was a painful one to say the least, but I persevered and finally managed to beat the game. The more I played it though, the more attuned I got to a double jump, and later playthroughs weren't quite as unforgiving. Like I said, you just need to practice. Graphically, Shinobi 3 is a step up for revenge as you'd expect. Despite the odd uh, dull looking boss, the sprites do look quite nice and animate quite well. The backgrounds are pretty good too. The soundtrack isn't done by Yuzo Koshiro this time, but while the music could never match that kind of quality, it would be criminal to dismiss it because of that fact. In fact, uh, Shinobi 3 soundtrack is still excellent. There are some cracking tracks in this one, all of which suit the action really well and had me listening to the sound test long after the game was over. Most people consider Shinobi 3 to be the best of the Mega Drive Shinobi games, but I'm not really one of them. It's an excellent game despite the frustrations I had with it, but I can't help but edge slightly more towards revenge. Though it doesn't have as many features, I think I preferred its locations more. I felt that game had more in the uh, way of memorable bosses, and of course you had that soundtrack. Honestly, it's a shame it's not on the Mega Drive Mini as well, especially considering it's on the Japanese version. There really wasn't any excuse for not having it on the Western release, and I would have quite happily dropped the likes of Virtua Fighter 2 and Alex Kidd in the Enchanted Castle in favour of that and the original Streets of Rage. Still, Shinobi 3 is a top-notch game that does exactly what a good sequel should do. It expands upon what the original had, and retains the great gameplay that made Revenge so good. If you've never played it, the Mega Drive Mini is a great place to, to do so, and I guarantee you'll love it. 
Just make sure you spend some time getting the hang of a double jump. You may end up turning your hair out if you don't. And so, I think it's time for another music break. It's uh, back to just two tracks of this one, and I think I picked some good ones. Uh, since Shinobi 3 has such a great soundtrack, I had to think long and hard about which, one to, which ones to play, so I picked two of my personal favourites. After this uh, music break, I'll be talking about a game which I feel is the underdog of a Mega Drive Mini's lineup. It's never been on any compilation before, and is a real gem of a game which I'm really happy to see on there. Before that though, we are going to play some music from Shinobi 3, starting with this little stonker. This is Idaten, one of the tracks that stands out to me personally. Be sure to keep listening to Memories of Sega for the Mega Drive Mini Special for more of my thoughts and memories on some of the games on Sega's mini console.
That was Solitary from Shinobi 3, which I talked about in the last talk bed, and a game I felt was a worthy follow-up to The Revenge of Shinobi, if a little bit frustrating at times. Before that, we played you with Dayton from the same game. This is Memories of Sega, the Mega Drive Mini Special right here on Radio Sega, with me, a winner was you, talking about some of the games on the mini console and what they meant to me. Hopefully we'll be seeing uh, some of your own memories on the Discord chat as well. I'd really like to hear what you you remember about these games too. Anyway, it's now time to move on to the next game I'll be focusing on, and it's one of the games I was happiest to see get a showing on the Mega Drive Mini. It's a game I feel is quite underrated and uh, deserves another chance. Now that it's on the Mini, hopefully more people will give it just that. Let me introduce you then to Alicia Dragoon, a fantasy-style action platformer released in 1992. Alicia Dragoon had a nice sense of style to its presentation and had some rather unique features, like the titular heroine's uh, main form of defence, as well as the ability to summon one of four dragon helpers. All this made for quite an experience, and one I'll always remember fondly. I first learned of this game in issue 4 of Sega Pro Magazine. There was a feature on games being released in 1992, and Alicia Dragoon was one of them. There was only one picture and only a brief bit of text about it, but I, it was one I was interested to know more about. The, uh, a few months later, I picked up issue 8 of um, the same magazine where I found a review of the game. The final score was 85%, and I had to admit, the game itself looked pretty good. Other reviews are also mostly positive, never quite reaching a 90% mark, but getting pretty close to the mark. It certainly interested me, and in 1996 I gained a little bit of money after selling some old games, which I then spent on a copy of Alicia Dragoon. So I finally had the game, but what would I think of it? The story has Alicia out to avenge the death of her father and save the world from a demon who committed said act. Thankfully, she's well versed in lightning magic and uses it very effectively. The B button fires a stream of lightning that will home in on the closest enemy, but it doesn't last very long. As you hold the button down, her meter at the top of the screen will deplete, and if it empties, you won't be able to use your magic again until it recharges. On the other hand, if you don't press the button at all and let the gauge max out, you can then use the B button to unleash a powerful smart bomb attack which covers the whole screen and uh, does massive damage to everything. In addition to that, you also have access to four dragons that can be selected with the A button. Each one has their own strengths and weaknesses and can also be powered up by collecting items found in floating containers. However, each dragon also has their own life gauge and if that empties, the dragon dies and you won't be able to use it again unless you pick up a special item. So knowing which dragon to use in which situation is a key strategy here. With that much firepower at your disposal, you'd think that that would make the game too easy, right? Yeah, no. Uh, truth is, Elisa Dragoon is actually a very tough game and will kick you in frequently. The enemies take a fair bit of punishment and the bosses, take, uh, bosses themselves take even more. The action rarely lets up either, and if you're not careful your health will go down very quickly. There is help at hand if you're struggling though, as there's a very handy code that gives you a variety of different cheats you can activate using the second controller. This includes level skips, instant health restoration and easy dragon levelling. Using the health restoration cheats I was able to beat the game, but without it I've only made it as far as the third level. However, that level of challenge added plenty to the overall experience. As hard as the game was, it was always fun, and there were plenty of secrets to find in each of the game's eight stages as well. 
The game is helped along by its superb presentation. The graphics are very nice and capture a fantasy setting very well. The bosses look great too, and I have one particularly fond memory of a stage 5 boss. It's basically an ancient looking tank that moves from left to right while shooting at you. Once it finally goes down, it moves off the screen before exploding and a few bits of it bounce into view. I don't know why, but this made me laugh for some reason in my youth. It just seemed oddly comical to me in an otherwise serious game. As nice as the graphics are, however, it's the music that really shines here. I'm not kidding when I say this game is one of the more underappreciated soundtracks on the Mega Drive. The tunes vary from soft fantasy-esque melodies to more intense sounding tracks, but it's always atmospheric. They really did a great job on the music here, and it's another game where I would spend a long time on the sound test. It's just amazing. Sound test, the sound effects were mostly good as well, though Alicia does make a rather high-pitched sound every time she gets hit, which can annoy some, especially considering how hard it can be to avoid taking damage at times. Still, I really can't knock this game. It plays very well, has a terrific atmosphere, and it's not one you'll beat anytime soon either. It's an undervalued title which I can recommend very highly. Since its initial release, it hasn't really been ported to anything. Not on the Wii's Virtual Console, not on any compilation pack, nothing. And now that it's on the Mega Drive Mini, it looks like it's finally going to get some more exposure. About damn time too. So, with another game down, there's just one more to look at for this show, but I won't spoil it for you. All I'll say is, it's one of the most well-loved games on the system. In the meantime, it's time for another music break. And since I've ta- just talked about what a great soundtrack Elisa Dragoon has, I think it's only appropriate that I play some tracks from it, don't you? So, we'll be starting this track with uh, the theme of Stage 3. It may have been the part where I got most unstuck in the game, but it also had my personal favourite track. So, here we go with the theme of Stage 3 from Elysia Dragoon. We'll be back very soon to give my last set of memories for this show. This is Memories of Sega, the Mega Drive Mini special here on Radio Sega, celebrating release of Mega Drive Mini.
Welcome back to Memories of Sega, the Mega Drive Mini Special here on Radio Sega, where we've just been talking about Alicia Dragoon, a game which I have rather fond memories of, and one that's very welcome on the Mini's library. We also just played you a couple of tracks from the game, starting with the theme of Stage 3, and followed by the theme of Stage 5 too. And so, we now come to the last game I'll be talking about on tonight's show. It's a true classic too, a game which needs absolutely no introduction. A hugely popular game in the arcade, it was then ported to many systems including the Mega Drive itself. This particular port is considered one of the very best for this game, and even added some extra content as well. A hack and slash game with a legendary soundtrack? It is none other than Golden Axe. To be honest, I was actually thinking about doing Earthworm Jim instead, but since I've already done three platformers on this show, uh, I felt it would be better to change things up a little. At least on the Mega Drive in 1989, this version impressed a lot of people people at the time, and it still holds up pretty well today. And while I personally don't remember it as fondly as some of the other Mega Drive classics, it's still a great game all around. My first memory of this game was, of all things, the Tiger Electronics version. Yes, those primitive handheld games. Golden Axe was one of the games featured in an advert for the handhelds, and it would also be my first time ever playing the game. I'd even go on to own one of them. I actually did kind of enjoy it for what it was, but soon enough I get to play the real thing, albeit on the Sega Master System. I played this one at a friend's house, and I wasn't even allowed to borrow it for a while. I eventually played it enough to beat it, and I quite liked it. However, it would be another couple of years before I would play the Mega Drive version, in around 1995. From another friend, I borrowed a copy of Mega Games 2, a compilation cartridge that featured Streets of Rage, uh, Revenge of Shinobi, and of course, Golden Axe. Though I was more interested in the other two games, I thought I'd give Golden Axe a try anyway, just to see what it was like, and I came away rather enjoying it. The games are side-scrolling beat-em-up, come hack and slash, where you control one of three heroes. Uh, we have Axe Battler, a barbarian, Tyrus Flair, an Amazon, and everyone's favourite dwarf, Gilius Thunderhead. Now, each character has their own strengths and weaknesses, as well as their own personal reasons for facing the main villain, Death Adder. Needless to say, Mr Adder isn't very popular with any of them. Having said that, he does command a rather large army that you have to fight your way through in order to get to his castle. Though I didn't find the game as overall compelling as the other two games on the cart, I was nonetheless having a great time with it, especially the soundtrack, Wilderness and Fiend's Path being the obvious standouts. After a little practice, I was able to defeat Death Adder and finish the game, or so I thought. It turned out, however, that Death was only taking orders, and we had one more battle ahead of us. This is the major new aspect of a Mega Drive port, the two extra levels that were added. The first of these takes place inside a castle, and is full of pits that can easily take away one of your lives if you're not careful. On the plus side, you can also knock enemies into them to finish them off quickly, and let's be honest, has there ever been a game where that hasn't been satisfying? Then it's on to the true final boss of the game, Deathbringer. This guy was a bastard and a half alright. He pretty much destroyed me the first few times I fought him, and my final victory was hard earned for sure. I'd finally beaten the game, and I definitely felt good about it. So what can I say about Golden Axe that hasn't been said before? For many, it was one of those games that defined the Mega Drive, one of those games that everybody had to play. Looking back at it, I do feel it feels a little bit clunky to play, especially when compared to the likes of Streets of Rage, but that doesn't stop it from being a classic. It's uh, definitely a game I enjoy quite a bit, and its legendary status makes it a no-brainer for the Mega Drive Mini. 
We would see two more sequels to the Mega Drive, the first of which, Golden Axe 2, actually has been featured on Memories of Sega before. I quite like that one too. There was also the arcade sequel for Revenge of Death Adder, which has sadly never seen a home release. They really need to change that at some point. For now though, we have the original, and it's no slouch even in this day and age. Right, so now that I've said my bit about Golden Axe, it's time to play some music from the game. For this batch, we're going to play, start with a truly awesome track, Turtle Village 1. I always loved the feel of this one, it had a very rather dramatic tone to it I think. Very fitting for the overall theme of the game. So we'll play that one for you, as well as the Thieves theme. A much shorter track, but one I'm sure many people remember quite well. So, here's Turtle Village 1 from Golden Axe, and I'll be seeing you in the next talk bed, where I'll be talking about the games I'm most looking forward to from the Mega Drive Mini, and ultimately wrapping things up. So, stay tuned!
You're listening to, the, to Memories of Sega, the Mega Drive Mini special on Radio Sega, as part of a Mega Drive Mini marathon with me, a winner was you. We've just played you two tracks from Golden Axe, one of the games available on the Mini, and the subject of our previous talk bed. We started that battery of Turtle Village 1, before following that with Thief's Theme. So yes, a game that many people have fond memories of, and one I quite like as well. Uh, so anyway, that is all the memories I have planned for this show, but before I go, there is one more thing I want to talk about. I'm sure there are at least a few games everyone's looking forward to playing, so I thought I'd talk a little bit about the games that take up my fancy the most on the Mini. Uh, so one big attraction to it is the inclusion of the two bonus games, Tetris and Darius. Now, Tetris has been on the Mega Drive before as one of, if not the rarest game on the system, but from what I've heard, the Mini version isn't quite the same game. I might be wrong on that, no doubt someone on the Discord will tell me if I am. But uh, Darius really is a 100% new port. In fact, when I first heard about it, I thought it was actually going to be Darius 2, uh, which actually has been ported to the Mega Drive already. But no, this is based on the first game, and I'm very interested to see how it fares. Of course I'll be very bad at it, but hey, it should still be fun, right? So naturally, those two games I'm quite looking forward to. Uh, another one I'm interested in is Mega Man The Wily Wars. A lot of people seem to really hate on this one, but while I have little doubt the NES originals are better, I still want to try this one out. I mean, it's such a rare and expensive title, so having it on the mini will make it a lot more accessible to other people. Uh, and although, so although they are games I already own, the inclusion of Thunder Force 3 and Monster World 4 is also a very appealing one. Uh, the former in particular is one that I believe has never been released in the UK. It probably might have been released on the Wii Virtual Console, but I don't recall ever seeing it on there. So that in itself does make Thunder Force 3 a very nice game to have, and I'm really looking forward to getting my ass kicked by that one. Uh, Monster World 4 has uh, already seen... Oh! <coughs> Oh, excuse me, something in my throat there. Uh, Monster World 4 has already seen a Western release, but this time it's on sort of proper hardware. I'll actually be playing it on a Mega Drive controller rather than an Xbox 360 one, and I like that. It's certainly one I'll be picking up and playing again, along with Wonder Boy and Monster World. I mean, there's so much more about the Mega Drive Mini that I like to talk about, like what games I would have liked to have seen on there, uh, the games I felt didn't deserve a spot, the differences between the uh, Japanese and Western versions, and the Asian one to boot. Uh, however, we'd pretty much be all here all day if I did, and I feel that's more than enough for one day. Uh, so, I think that's that. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in tonight. It's certainly been a very interesting experience hosting a show, that's for sure. Uh, I've had a real blast doing this, and I hope you've all enjoyed listening to my experiences with some of these games. Uh, hopefully, everybody else will have shared uh, some of theirs as well. After all, this is what Sir Memories of Sega is all about, remembering our favourites and uh, sometimes not-so-favourite games, and uh, sharing those memories with others. Uh, I'd also like to give a particularly big thanks to KC for giving me the chance to do this show and for putting it all together. Uh, he's definitely been the glue holding this thing together. So yes, a very big thank you to you, good sir. Uh, there will be one more block of music before we finish, and like the first one, it'll be music not taken from any of the games I featured on tonight's show. Uh, so to start with, I think it's only right we play some music from one of the, uh, three, one of the two bonus games. Uh, so I've chosen Captain Neo from Darius to kick this final batch with. Uh, at the time of recording, I don't think the Music for Mega Drive version has actually been put online yet, so the version you'll be hearing will be from the arcade version, unless we actually do have the Mega Drive tunes on hand. 
Either way, it's a great track, as you'd expect from Sintata. Uh, so, then next up, we will have the two-player theme of Casino Night Zone from Sonic 2, because well, it'd be silly not to have some Sonic on this show, right? And finally, we'll be closing this show with the epic that is Ooze from Final, uh, Fantasy Star 4. An awesome track, and a great way to finish things off. So, all that leaves me to say is stay tuned to Radio Sega for the best in Sega music 24-7, and we hope you'll all be listening for the rest of the year Mega Drive Mini Marathon. There's still some great shows coming up for it. I can hear that now. <laughs> so, uh, with that, uh, all that's left for me to say is this has been Memories of Sega, the Mega Drive Mini Special, with me, a winner was you. I hope you've had fun tonight, and I'll see you all later. Bye.
Enjoyed the show? Check out the full Radio Sega live schedule at radiose.ga forward slash shows. Radio Sega, playing the best Sega music 24-7.